Hey guys, it's your boy Talon, and welcome back to Ichiraku Dwellers, your favorite anime podcast of all time. I'm joined today with some of my friends. Uh, here's Josh. What's up, guys? And here's a special guest, Rachel. Hiya! Forget about the other two guys that usually are here. We're the only ones that matter, and we're here to talk about Bungo Stray Dogs, specifically the first and second season. But yeah, uh, any first impressions? It was very good. That's one of the genres that I watch a lot is anything that has like superpowers. My Hero Academia is like one of my favorite ones. I also like SAO. If there's a lot going on on screen, I like that. I feel that. You got a little ADHD brain going on. Perhaps. Not diagnosed. What about you, Josh? It's not really what I watch because I'm more into more action. There is action in this, but it's more just a story about it's detectiving. Uh, there were some battles in there. Was there like a one that you liked a lot? I forgot his name. The antagonist that kept on coming back. I liked all his fights with the main character. Which one? Ak- Akutagawa? I think they pronounce it Octagawa. Yes, Octagawa. <laughs> Octagawa. Yeah, the guy with the Rashomon. Yeah, Octagawa versus <gasps> Atsushi. Yeah. They they were fighting quite often. I liked at the very end of the second season how they were able to work together against the guild. Right. It was really cool to see their powers work together rather than just, you know, against each other. It reminds me of the Dazai Chuya combination. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was a good fight. Seeing Dazai, the best support system that there is, like he's able to just stop everything. Maybe that's why he's so unafraid of things, you know? Even though he loves the idea of dying, but he doesn't want it to be a brutal or antagonizing death. Mm-hmm. It's a little strange why he loves that so much, yet he's not able to genuinely pursue it. It's always like either faking or just experiencing it without actually going through it. It's, it's strange. He's experimenting. He's just a suicidal experimenter. Yeah, it may work someday. Maybe he'll find the one oh, no. to do it with. He was looking around quite often. Right. I just think that at the end of like the last episode, I just feel bad for the Moe Dick. <laughs> why why do you feel bad? Like he was able to like revert back to its normal self. Do you remember that? Yeah, he turned to like a little little baby whale though. That's okay. I mean, that's Herman, the guy that controls that ability. He was kind of like devastated that the Moby Dick got the way it was because the guild kind of took over his ability. But now that the actual, like, the big one, the metal castle version is gone. It's able to go back to its original form, which is more of a innocent form, you know what I mean? So maybe he was missing that form, and now he has it back. I think that's a really good ending for him. True. I had respect for Herman when he was, like, doing the the captain uh, sings with a ship mm-hmm. type deal. Like, I thought that was really cool, and, like, he seemed to be, like, the most, not passive, but the one that was the most against the guild and what they were doing, even though he was a part of them. Mm-hmm. Well, he was also the leader of the guild two generations ago, they said, which I thought was interesting. So maybe that's part of why he stuck around. Probably. Oh, he's pretty old. I mean, nothing like the general. <laughs> They're both pretty old. They got some old guys here. Do you think that's the first time that... The Moby Dick has gotten that big. Like, do you think it has to grow over time? And that's just like the first time that it actually got taken down. Yeah, it felt like the essence of the 
genuine Moby Dick was kind of like stretched thin around the metallic surface of the entire ship. I don't know, maybe maybe that was the only time it got to the point where he was able to reform again. Oh, about Moby Dick was always in the sky, and like even not counting full on coming up out of the ocean. I can't remember if they said that that was like finally where it belonged rather than in the sky. Oh yeah, because it did crash on the sea. It's it's just a perfect ending for such a classic. I wouldn't say piece of literature, but like a classic embodiment of lit- literature. Which, speaking of that, I thought it was really cool how all the guild's members were named as well as their abilities were named because they seem to be named after like authors, like major classic either authors or poets, and then their abilities were named after some of those novels, like Lovecraft. What was his ability's name? Lovecraft didn't have an ability. He was just Lovecraft. Yeah, going, uh, if you're okay with me sticking to Lovecraft, I actually have a question for y'all that I didn't really understand about his character. What's up? He had a contract. Do y'all know what that contract was? Because it did get fulfilled. Um. I guess I didn't pay much attention. I don't know. I mean, because the only time you see him really battle is when he was battling with, um, was it Chuya and Dazai again? Yeah, that was one of the battles he did. Oh, that's Lovecraft? Yeah. Yeah, Lo- Lovecraft was the octopus-looking guy. Yeah, like the Cthulhu-type thing. He's the one that hit Dazai. Yes. But he didn't say contract fulfilled until he jumped in the ocean whenever uh, the leader of the guild was killed. Or maybe he's not dead. Either way, he was defeated. When they had asked him what he was going to do next, after the guild was not disbanded, but after that whole thing, he's like, I'm going to go sleep. He only went to sleep whenever his contract was fulfilled, though. I was just trying to figure out what that was. I mean, considering he was a, a member of the guild, it probably had to do something with, like, you have to fight for us until, like, we're defeated or something like that. Ooh, that makes sense, yeah. That, at the very least, would make some sort of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Going back to the literature pieces and just the comparisons, did you have anything you were going to say? I mean, I, I also thought it was really neat how each character mimicked, or not mimicked, but, like, mirrored, like, famous books. And I'm not going to lie, Lord Francis was probably the most American one out of all of them. A hundred percent. Seeing him, like, shoot golf balls, or I guess it wasn't, it was like a golfing sport that he was doing, but he was hitting, like, discs or something off the cruise ship. Yeah. And he was talking about his American dream, I'm like, bro. Yeah, it was, they were shooting discs off the ship let me Mm -hmm. just say when i saw him throw those four bullets and that giant ass explosion i was like nani he he a little powerful what's your favorite uh member of the guild rachel um honestly i liked uh mark's or i like mark's character and uh, herman's character like i said i have respect for herman after all that happened yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy, like, the smaller characters. I thought they were adorable. Right? It was, it was just really cute seeing them floating above the bullets and, like... Going into them? Actually being in one, like, driving it, like, flying it. That was... Uh, their expressions were adorable. Right? It's like, they were they were so, like, yeah, got them! Good job! Like, they're, like, probably some of the best people that you could have, like, on your team, like, hype men. Like, ah, yeah, good job, good job. Exactly. I think my favorite was Lucy, the girl that was that came in at the end of season one. I really liked her powers. 
Because it seems like really strong, but then the leader of the Port Mafia showed up. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how her powers were mirrored in the second season when she was trying to help Atsushi escape. It was cool seeing the Andal like drop the backpack for him and just help him get out of like push him out of the door. It was just really cool because those hands scared you so much in the first season and to see them like help him. It was just a really cool change of pace, you know? Mm-hmm. I felt so bad when the grapevines were inside of her room. I was not a fan of that part. <laughs> so going back to the first season, what did y'all think of the entrance exam uh, Atsushi had to complete? It did catch me off guard a little bit, because I completely spaced that there was supposed to be an exam at all. And how they had... I enjoy the characters, but their dynamic seems a little weird to me. But how the Tanizaki uh, siblings, how well they played all that off. Like, I'd say props to them. Props props to them for... Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. I'm, I'm not... I hope one of them's a step-sibling. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I hope so, too. They make it a little better. <laughs> I don't want to think about it too deep. Yeah. Uh, but whenever Naomi took, like, the barrage of bullets for Tanzaki, like, later, oh, it was just... I really thought she was dead. I was like, <laughs> no! Same. No! Right. And then Yosono comes in and just, like, sexually treats everybody. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> It's a little scary. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, for her, it's not... I mean, she makes it more sexual than it necessarily needs to be, but her power is to heal anyone to, like, full restoration, but only if they're on the brink of death. She must be a sadist, then. Probably. Like, how does her power work? It's like, I saw her bring out a chainsaw. Yeah, she has to bring... I, w- I want to say victim, but also patient. She has to bring the person she's helping, like healing, she has to bring them to, like, death's door. You know what I mean? So she probably used that chainsaw to, like, try to kill them, to heal them. (laughs) That's why you hear all the screaming and, like, just, like, that sigh of relief at the end. I'm a little scared to make this uh, reference since we have a pregnant lady in our midst, but it makes me think of, like, giving birth. (laughs) <laughs> like how how whenever you give birth, like after the fact, you forget about it so that you'll have another kid. That's what it kind of reminds me of. Easy. You just forget all the pain. It's just something to do with the brain. Is that how it works? Is that how pregnancy works? <laughs> Not pregnancy, Josh. <laughs> Calm down. The reason why moms are so willing to have children after they've already given birth and they've experienced that pain is because of the bonding with the baby. So the bonding with the baby like overrides the pain that you felt. So it kind of like makes you forget about the pain and focus more on the positives, you know? It, it makes it feel more worth it. Yes. And that's your day's worth of babying. <laughs> like, sure. I also like seeing like some of the abilities like work together. Uh, the specific ones I'm thinking of are like the Were Tiger and Light Snow during that one battle. The first battle with... Um, it was one of the first ones, yeah. I think it was when Naomi took that barrage of bullets yeah. against the Port Mafia. Exec- uh, not executive, but people. Oh, I just love the light snow ability. What was y'all's favorites? I really like the the detective guy. What is, what is his name? Rompo? Yeah, he's yes. so cool. Ultra deduction. Even though he feels like he's he has a gift because everyone's like support from... I thought that was really neat. Like, he doesn't have necessarily an ability, but everyone makes him feel special like he Mm -hmm. does have one. It does play into his ego a little bit, but, I mean, he's good at what he does. So, of course, he's going to have that ego. 
Why does it only work whenever he has his glasses? I think I think it's all in his mind. It's because the boss gave him a pair of glasses, and he's, like, linked onto that, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe he just has, like, hella respect for his boss. It might also be, like, a placebo effect. Well, so I will say, um, the boss's abilities, uh, the all men are created equal, to where he his subordinates get more powerful with their abilities. I know it's not necessarily an ability, it could just be placebo. So maybe utilizing glasses is part of the boss's ability leaking onto Rampo, you know? Yeah. Like something he's already good at, he's just that much better with it. Yes. Yeah, that would make sense. It's what he considers his ability, so maybe it still works that way? I don't know. Yeah, because he said uh, at the end of Season 2 that it was with their abilities, but since Rampo doesn't have an ability necessarily, it's like, how would that necessarily play into Rampo, or if it's literally just everyone's support for him that's actually giving him like that mm-hmm. that extra drive or extra like capability of being able to do it. Because something I had noticed, I will say another one of my favorite uh, characters from the guild was uh, the opposite of Rampo. Oh, it was Poe. Poe. I also love mur- murder mystery type deals. That was a vibe. Right? Yeah, that's such a good thing. It was cool seeing Yosana there as well, because she had such limited screen time. I don't know, I just love seeing Yosana. Like, how uh, how they both, for lack of a better term, spawned into the world, and she was the one who had glasses. Like, I will say from the very beginning, it was like, huh, you already know that at the end, or at some point, curious as to when they're gonna do it, but he's going to end up putting on those glasses and be like, oh, hey, that's I can do that type thing. Yeah, that flew over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> I just, at that point, I just assumed she always had glasses, and I didn't question it. <laughs> so Lucy's ability was Josh's favorite. Rachel, what was your favorite ability? I would say probably the one that I at least felt could end up being so overpowered like, aside from Dazai, was Kunikita's Dapo Poet. Mm-hmm. Like, literally anything he writes in the ideal manifests into, like, an actual thing. And I thought that was really neat how he used... He kind of predicted what would happen in certain situations and made sure to have, like, that item or word written out on a piece of paper and hidden on him because he was going to have his book taken away at some point. Like, I thought that was really, really neat how he was able to think that far ahead. Yeah, Kunikita's ability kind of reminded me of Scribblenauts. I used to play that game, like, on my Kindle when I was a kid, where you could, like, spawn a bunch of items and use adjectives. It was just cool. I don't know if y'all have ever played that. I, I, don't, I don't think I did. I played it, like, once, but I think it was money, so I only played it on some. Oh, yeah, it cost money. I think I had to, I had to ask my dad for permission to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember that. That's so silly. I actually remembered one of my other favorite fights, and it was with Kunikita and Dazai in that one warehouse. Mm-hmm. Whatever, what they were fighting. Were they fighting that guy with the numbers? Yeah, and the, and just a big guy. So they had to like switch who they were fighting. Oh yeah. To match their powers better. Mm-hmm. So smart. I know this was a while ago because it was season one, but do y'all remember the Azure or Azure Messenger? How, what were y'all feeling about that? I mean, honestly, the 
the the lady that was supposed to be the client i believe that was no it wasn't the lady who's the client it was like one of the um supposed like victims or survivors yeah are you talking about nabuko sasaki yes yes it's coming back to me Um, yeah she was like the lover of the guy yeah and i (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i i thought it was funny how dazai was trying to low-key set kunikita up with her like it's... I thought it was too convenient for her to be a victim, but also be able to get free immediately, and all the other actual victims were killed immediately. I think I watched too much Criminal Minds. <laughs> like, I, I just, I caught that in the beginning. I knew she was part of it. I didn't know she was, like, the, the main, like, head person, right. like, the actual messenger, but I knew she was a part of the scheme mm-hmm. from the beginning. And I was so proud of myself when she walked out with that gun and shot that kid. <laughs> I think I was just watching this to watch it, and I don't think I was actually thinking far ahead. Is I did not see that coming. I was just <laughs> like, "Wow, that makes sense." I should have known that. I will say that is the only time I've been right this whole time. Every other detective piece, I've been wrong. So <laughs> don't feel bad. <laughs> I'm just like, playing detective. Like the the first time we saw Rompo's his ability, whenever ultra deduction. Yeah, whenever he used that on the the crime scene and the detective was like yeah you're not gonna be able to solve this in a minute and rompo was like yeah i can do it in like 30 seconds and he just starts questioning that one guard or the one policeman i'm like yeah i really think it's gonna be just one of these people around here but i don't know who i don't think he even questioned him i think it was just he was going based off of information that because he was the one who kind of told the Detective and Rampo Natsushi of like everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he directly accused that man. Right. That's true. It's just, I I love that ability to even though it's like just normal, but like to be able to just immediately know it's insane. He just big brain. Yeah. Only with glasses. It's like I would say Dazai is kind of up there with like that uh, ultra detect or like detection, but not like not as good of course as Rampo. Yeah, not as refined. Yeah. Like he's able to figure stuff out like on the fly and like, oh yeah, you're gonna do this because of this and there's gonna be no way around it. In one of the last episodes of season one, uh I think it was the last episode. What's the girl's name again in the last episode of season one? Are you talking about Lucy? The girl yeah. with the Okay. Yeah. Whenever they were in the elevator with Kenji, like the farmer, the farmer one. I was so sad. Kenji always, he's like such a cool character. He's a happy-go-lucky kid. Yeah, he's just a happy little guy. And then like, he's like, hey, where are you guys going or something like that? <laughs> and he just got and kidnapped. Then, <laughs> and he's just like gone. I'm like, no. And Lucy was wearing the hat. I'm not going to lie. I've never seen One Piece, but Kenji gave me Luffy vibes. Mm-hmm. Or what I would expect Luffy to, to be like. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Could also be just because of the hat and like how he's dressed. But, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, never seen it, but he gives me Luffy vibes. Mm-hmm. We talked about our favorite abilities. What, did, what was y'all's favorite character in both seasons? I liked... Uh, how do you pronounce her name? Um, Kyoka? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... I feel bad because of how, like... The trauma. How she's, her, her ability is a curse for her, more so than anything else. Mm-hmm. And how it activated because of somebody else, rather than of her own free will. 
but going along with her, I fucking loved how, like, at the very end with Moby Dick and uh, how she she sacrificed herself. Her entrance exam? Yes. How she sacrificed herself to be able to save an entire city. And they don't explain it until, like... It's already happened, yeah. Exactly. That she aced her exam, and then she used Demon Snow to break the shackles. And she was fine, alive. I love that. Yeah, now she's, like, literally and figuratively free from what she thought was her curse. I just... Exactly. It's oh, perfect storytelling, in my opinion. Right? I really enjoyed the Dazai Kyoka exchange in that last bit. Like, I was wondering why they were spending so much time on it, but it makes sense how important it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it did help, like, how attached Atsushi got to her as well. Mm -hmm. Especially since she, like, became his subordinate, much like Atsushi was Dazai's subordinate. Right. Insane. The other uh, scene that I really liked with Kyoka was the date that Atsushi took her on. Yes, that was adorable. It was adorable. Oh my goodness, my little gay I heart. Loved <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Mm -hmm. Taking her out and experience some of the light that she missed out on her, you know, the rest of her life. And uh, Atsushi basically returning the favor of how Kunikina and Dazai paid for his first meal after he was found after the orphanage, and how he repaid it with Kyoka and her boiled tofu. I, I loved it. It was like, ah, now you see what happened. Now you see how <laughs> Kunikina felt. <laughs> yeah. My favorite character is either Ronpo or Dazai, because, like, Ronpo, he always got the cool he knows what's going on like at the end scene whenever whenever the moby dick was crashing rompo knew where it was gonna crash so that uh they knew where to find them after all of it happened and then dazai dazai is just dazai yeah the flashback with rompo and dazai that we saw originally it's just crazy the foreshadowing you know right I will say, I will say, I I thoroughly enjoyed how um, I can't remember remember his name, but the lemon bomber guy. Oh, the little scientist. Yes, how their fight was, and how he was like, wait, what? Why? Why aren't you dead? Why Are you talking about you the one with Yosano? Yes. That's so silly. Uh the like her face. She has such a face when it comes to like killing people. Like she's maniacal. I. <laughs> I would never want to be against her. Right. But at the same time, I would be terrified to even get hurt. Yeah, I mean, it gives them reason to be careful. I mean, true. that is true. That is true. Uh, going back to the second season, uh, how'd y'all think about the beginning part of it? Like, the prequel-esque part? I I liked it, because it kind of gave... Uh, even though, like, Ango didn't come in until, like, a little bit later in the series, they gave they gave, like, an idea of Oh, hey, this person, like, he's not going to be here very for very long, but he is a part of the story in one way, shape, or form. Especially with Otosaku, uh, the guy that was, like, helping with the kids and the uh -huh. noodle shop guy. Mm -hmm. That that broke that broke my heart. Yeah, yeah. Whenever, uh, Mimic is a bitch. Oh, yeah. I'm not, mm, you don't kill kids, my guy. Dakota would love that, I'm sure, but <laughs> no. you don't kill kids. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, seeing them like pounding against the window of the van. Oh no! Oh, it was so sad. It's like, wait, there's there's a possibility that he's able to save them. Psych. Yeah, that was a psych moment indeed. Yeah, just a little bit of one. And I I do like how uh how with Otosaku's character. I mean, yeah, he ended up dying in the end. Spoilers. I mean, that's this entire like podcast for people who haven't seen the anime but like how his entire like he didn't shoot to kill anyone because of wanting to be a writer and feeling like he can't write about lives if he's taken them like i liked i liked that and it makes sense of how and why he broke when those kids died he without actually being a father figure was basically like a father to them he still made sure to come by, check on them, give his child support. And even though he didn't have, like, any sort of, oh, I love you guys, like, you're my favorite. He was he was stern, like, are you guys doing good? You, you, following, you following the rules? And how all the kids tried to, so badly, even with, like, planning things out, try to surprise tag him and him just overpower them. Easy. It's like using tactics or the wordings that he would for like the mafia, but in such a not dumbed down, but a more innocent way where the torture was tickling. Like, <laughs> I I thought that was adorable. It's like you're still staying in your normal stern character that you would be for work, but you're modifying the actions to fit children. Mm-hmm. He's such a big brother. Oh, yeah. That's adorable. All their interactions were cute. Uh, it was cool seeing, like, the reasoning behind Dazai's ideology, you know, because it's been mentioned that he is just as fond for good things as he is evil things, so he's very, very neutral. But, you know, Odusaku obviously felt like, what's the word? Like, he felt, I guess he just regretted his being a part of the mafia compared to being on the good side. Because he could have done so much better. He was such a good guy in bad guy's clothing. What'd y'all think of the bar scene? I, I thought that was wholesome, even though it was a couple of grown-ass men from, you know, two, two from Port Mafia, which, I mean, is not the best, but they do have some good ideals. I will say that. Uh, and then from a government agent, with Ongo being, like, a triple agent... And then basically forcing Ango to to go to the bar with them, I thought that was funny. And like forcing him to go out in the world like with friends. It was also cool to see just how you know deductive Dazai was, even in his like trusting. I wouldn't even say trusting, but he was like in his neutral state. You know, he was paying attention to all of his surroundings as well as anything to do with Ango. Even when he was just chilling, he was just chilling. He was having a drink. I thought that was insane how much he could just remember, you know, and it, it just makes sense as to why he was, you know, such a formidable member of the mafia as well as the agency. What'd y'all think about Q? I. He's just a little guy with a doll. He's just a little guy. Just a little, little guy. I will say this was very, very smart on the guild's part. But how they combine Q's ability forcefully, I will say. And what what was his name? Yeah, that was a pretty strong combo. Yeah. It was a, insane to see a lot of these abilities work together. 
these characters are all super smart. That was John S. for Grapes of Wrath. John Smith. <laughs> it's got to be John <laughs> Applesmith. Right. Or Johnny Seed. John Seed? What's that one nursery Johnny run? Appleseed. Johnny Appleseed. Johnny <laughs> Appleseed. Oh, no. Interesting. Oh, and technically, this is prior to with the Lovecraft stuff. I wrote their names down together. When he came up, it said that his ability, quote unquote, was the great old one. So probably in reference to like Cthulhu type. Lovecraft was just built different. Oh, yeah. How he how he have tentacle things? I don't know. Maybe we'll see more in the next few seasons. I bet you wish you could grow those. <laughs> no. Well, it looks like he had to lose an arm or something. You know, he had to yeah, like they like replaced him for a yeah. moment. I like my arms. He also looked like his he didn't have like his eyeballs went dark. It's a little scary. I don't like the dark. Scary darkness. What do you think about Q, Josh? You didn't really talk about that. Oh yeah, Q. I think that everything could have gone badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They had it all set up to, like, you know, ruin so much of the city. Mm-hmm. So much of, like, probably the country. And they're just like, yeah. I will say, I do I do like how Rampo and Poe had met prior to all of this. And the entire time that Poe was between when they first met and when, like, this interaction happened. He was like, I've been making this murder mystery such a difficult one. I've been putting my heart and soul into it all these years. Just for him. He's He looks up to Rampo. That's very obvious. And it's like, <laughs> I want you to notice me. It's like a notice me senpai type deal. And like, Rampo just has fun with it. Like, he doesn't see him as like, intimidating or like, even much of a threat. It's more so, ah, yes. Another mystery. Let me see how fast I can I can read this one, or how fast I can uh, get through this. Don't don't forget, Poe has a raccoon. Oh, Carl! It was so <laughs> cool seeing uh, Kyoko holding Carl during her like celebration of becoming a part of the agency. Yes. Everyone was like huddled around here, like, oh, so cute. Everyone loves Carl the raccoon. It's a pretty good name. I thought the guild strategist was really cool too. How she was able to come up with every single theory, and most of them were correct, you know? It's base- It's a more advanced version of something that Dazai was able to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what her ability was, but it was like, insane. And also her passive personality, that was such, like, you wouldn't think that coming from someone that has such a confident ability, you know? Because she seems to lack confidence. Like, it, she has confidence in her ability, she just has she doesn't have confidence anywhere else. Fair enough. The only redeeming quality I would say of Lord Francis was that his reason for doing a lot of what he was doing was, I mean, he was the one who put the bounty out for Atsushi in the first place, but that was because he called him the tiger beetle, which is supposed to, um, something to do with a prophecy. I think. Yeah, there was a, I think it was a book or something like that. That he was looking for. And it was uh, so that he was able to bring his daughter back because his wife had gone mentally ill. And in order for her to cope, they were saying that uh, the daughter was overseas in London uh, for studies. I don't know. It makes me like his character a lot less, uh, mainly because it just shows that rich people always try. Okay, maybe not always, but they're always trying to 
come up with solutions to everyday problems that poor people have to deal with no matter what. It's like, just face the music and deal with it. <laughs> it's, it's a death, I get that. Everyone has someone die in their life, though. You can just get her mental help. Get, get the wife mental help. Exactly. Put her in therapy, please. I thought the Reverend's uh, whole, like, spiel, I, I was confused as to why he was called the Reverend, aside from, you know, his attire. But after seeing, like, he's basically using blood magic, and it's very on par with uh, Octagawa's ability. They can go hand-in-hand hand with each other, but a lot of the pain or suffering that's happening for uh, Octagawa is more internal, like he's sick, and uh, the Reverend was more just outside bodily, like just, ah, drain blood. I stabbed myself, and here's here's my tentacles type deal. His ability was called The Scarlet Letter, and I had to read it in school. And basically what that book, uh, the TLDR version, I'll say, um, there's this like reverend or judge-like person, and then there's this like wife. And they have relations, even though they're either both married or one of them's married. So the wife gets punished for it, and she gets this uh, scarlet letter of an A. Like, I don't remember, it, it was like brandished on her. And then the judge or the, the reverend was able to walk free, but it, like inside, he did the crime just as bad. And then at the very end, like the wife is still alive and then he ends up uh, dying because like he couldn't deal with the coming out as being part of that, you know, um, adultery, like adultery, you know? Anyway, yeah. I think it's really cool to see how his blood is part of what his ability is because it shows like maybe... The Scarlet Letter isn't just something that gets brandished on people, but it's also something that comes from his own sins. Right. I just like the symbolism with this character. Yes, it's very symbolistic. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Atsushi's whole, like, internal struggles with abandonment issues from the orphanage, from his parents not wanting him, and basically being told that he was worthless by just about everyone. And to have people around him be like, you're powerful. It's very uplifting, like how he's able to gradually like come to terms with like, no, these thoughts aren't real. There are people who count on me. Like, I love the growth in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had a lot of growth. It was cool to see like how part of that is what unleashed his power sometimes, but also kind of hindered his power. But yeah, I agree. It was cool to see him kind of like get over himself as well as Octagua get over himself too, you know, because they had similar issues. One just wanted, I wouldn't say attention, but he wanted like approval from one certain person. But then the other one wanted approval from every person. So it's like, just just approve of yourself and live your life and you'll be fine. Like he didn't necessarily, Atsushi didn't necessarily need the like, ah, oh, you're doing a good job, pal from Dazai. But that's what Octagawa has been like searching for this entire time and he got it i would say that it it did feel like a slap in the face when dazai told octagawa that his new pupil i uh atsushi was more powerful than him well dazai is like a strategist he knows exactly what to say to like right. get people to do the right thing like he's just manipulative that was one way of him manipulating in a good way josh manipulation is not good Anna, you need to get out of whatever toxic situation you're in.
Alright guys, that about wraps it up this week for your weekly digest of Ichiraku Dwellers. Thank you so much for joining us this episode. Bugo Stray Dogs, exceptional series so far. I'm excited to see more of it. I'm sure my compatriots are as well. But yeah, uh, we're looking forward to see you guys next week. Hopefully uh, some of our regulars can be back. And again, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for being here. Not a problem. Like, just I'm excited to watch the rest of the seasons. And I, I do hope that y'all are able to have me for those ones because this has been really fun. Absolutely. I'm sure we can make it make it work. I'm not too worried. We'd love to have you back, Rachel. It was an awesome experience. And I'm just so glad that you were able to experience it with us as well. But yeah, uh, we'll definitely see you guys next week. I'm excited for the next episode. Uh, it's going to be a, a hit from Josh. Yeah. Be sure to tune in next time on Ichiraku Dwellers. My name is Talon, and I'll see y'all later. Bye. Bye.